0: Good morning, I'm Julie Vogel with Renaissance Learning. We are proud partners with NCEA and are here in Salt Lake City, Utah supporting the Catholic Leadership Summit and have had an amazing three days. Hi, this is Colleen McCoy-Sika, and I am going to be your host today on the NCEA podcast. Welcome. I am recording live today from the Catholic Leadership Summit, and I'm going to be interviewing a few of our speakers. So one of our speakers this morning was Michael Capitelli, and he did a quick lightning round about a ton of information so I'm going to ask him to give us a couple of overview highlights now Michael before you do that for the listeners who for whatever reason don't know who you are can you give a little brief introduction about yourself please
1: Sure. hello everyone it's good to be with you we're here live in Utah from Salt Lake City uh, at beautiful Juan Diego High School where we're uh, meeting together with superintendents and associate superintendents from across the country I work at the Archdiocese of New York And I like to say that I'm a simple Catholic school teacher uh, and I get to work with phenomenal people every day, just like you, uh, who are carrying out the mission in our schools, in particular this year at a time when it is challenging, it is stressful, but uh, we simply know to look and to Good Friday that there is always Easter Sunday and we see that Easter Sunday in the faces of the children every time we walk into those school buildings.
0: That's awesome. So Michael, you were just, you were actually the perfect after lunch speaker because you were incredibly engaging and actually the information that you were throwing at the crowd, they had a lot of questions, but you talked about some resources that were family engagement resources from early childhood all the way through for schools and for parishes. And I wanted you to start there and talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, thanks so much. You know, one of the passions that I, I, I have is how do we engage families more in the work that we're doing? You know, parents are the primary educators of, of their children, but how do we give them resources and tools to help them succeed? You know, I, I often think I have a three-year-old nephew, and even now I'm learning more and more that, you know, it's like. Do they come with directions, no. right? So, no. so, so I think the more that we can support parents who are, especially early childhood parents who are going through this and give them some strategies and tips, I think it's really important. So let me share just a few of the resources that we've, uh, that we spoke about today. Ready for K. So Ready for K is a text message based program that provides a text message three times a week a fact, a tip, and growth. So they give you three tips. And uh, so let me just give you an example. So a fact might be change and uncertainty can be hard for young children and grown-ups too. Don't I know that? <laughs> and creating routines that can stay that helps kids feel more secure and in control. And so that's a fact that they might they might text you. And then the tip that they might text you will be when your family experiences change, create a ritual that can stay the same. You might read a book to your child each night or sing the same song when your child wakes up. So I I love this program because it really focuses you on interacting with your child. And so this program goes from birth to grade five. And it is geared towards each individual child's birthday, and it's almost like um, you know we, we're called by name. It's the same concept, and so this program we 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 are implementing it in our schools. But now we're starting to think about how do we expand it to our parishes where families who have young children who may be in a CCD program, a a catechetical program, or even just parishioners in a public school, because all children are our our children. So they can just simply text uh, and sign up and receive these resources. And it's also a great way to remind families that even as a Catholic school system, but as a Catholic church, we're rooting for them. We're pro-life and and we're rooting for them as they raise their children in today's society, which could be really difficult
0: well it sounds like something that really reminds parents where children are supposed to be developmentally so you know a lot of times parents question is my is my child you know the the same as other kids different from other kids is it okay for them to not be at this milestone should they be further ahead and this is like developmental milestone type of information just to help parents feel good about their kids.
1: Yeah, Colleen, you know, it's so important. You know, it's so you know, for parents, especially for first-time parents. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, there's a they 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 want to do everything they can for their child to succeed, but sometimes they just don't know exactly what to do. And and just giving them little tips and tricks will really set them up for success. The research out of this program and and, and you can you can visit the website, you can google it. It will show you, um, Stanford University, I believe University of Notre Dame, they did some research about this program and it showed gains for students academically, three to five months for parents who were getting these text messages. Wow! So it's a really high engagement level and a high success rate. So I would just encourage people, take a look at it and see. And uh, if you're ever in New York, come stop by at the Archdiocese, say hello. You know, Christmas is coming up. Thanksgiving is coming up. We have a great Thanksgiving Day parade. We have a great Christmas shopping. So. I'll be happy to take you around the city and, and show you all it has to offer. I
0: would love that. I don't love your weather though. That's <laughs> why I live in the desert, honestly. Well, we are in
1: Utah now. <laughs> There's some snow on those on those it's mountains. True.
0: It's true. Any other um, highlights that you wanna share? Pick one more thing that you think was really engaging to the audience today. Sure,
1: so the other one I think I'd like to highlight is a program called Cognito. And we do that in partnership um, with, uh, with, with Cognito and their company uh, provides virtual simulations for teachers to as they encounter specific um, challenges in a classroom. So perhaps a student who might be uh, dealing with uh, tr- uh, uh, an issue at home, or trauma informed instruction is another simulation. And so they take you through different simulations, virtual simulations. And this is, I love this because my sister is an RN, she's a nurse Mm -hmm. and she does these virtual simulations for her training in the emergency room. And uh, also on my way here, I happened to be, you know, walking through the airport and I was talking to an airline pilot and he said that he does these similar simulations too, you know, the flight simulators and so this uh, technology is exactly derived from that technology that our first responders are using, our doctors, our nurses, uh, our our um, our military and and even airline uh, pilots. So I really think this is cutting edge. This is something that we're not seeing, we have not seen in Catholic education or even education generally. So this is a phenomenal new program. And so they have several different uh, virtual simulations. They're short, they come with conversation guides for principals to have dialogue at their faculty meetings. So that way they could be a rich uh, academic dialogue that is facilitated after teachers complete the simulation. So it's a gradual release method, uh, which I love. And then secondly, why I also love this is that they have a couple of programs that they developed for parents to complete and students to complete. Nice. So this is a really great tool that I would encourage our, uh, our Catholic school leaders to take a look at. I think that it has a lot of merit and I think it's super high impact.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. There are, I've never encountered anything like that in educational training. So thank you for sharing those resources with us. You're always a very resourceful person. Whenever I think of you, I think of your federal programs background. And so I have to tell you, it's a pleasure to talk to you about <laughs> programmatic resources. That's more my speed, that's more my thing, but you're always full of uh, lots of information, Michael. And well, it's always a
1: pleasure to talk thank, to you. Thanks so much. You know. Um, Well, yes, I I happen to be known for my public policy and federal (laughs) federal work. I was a teacher first. You know, I taught high school social studies and and economics and political science. And so any opportunity that I have to really go back to what I love and, you know, in education and content, it's always a fun time to have that dialogue. So thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much. That's going to be it for this segment of the podcast. But stay tuned for more from other speakers. Welcome back to the NCEA podcast. This is another segment with one of our speakers live here at the Catholic Leadership Summit. And this is Colleen mccoy Sika hosting this interview. And this speaker did another lightning round this morning, just like Michael did. And this is Mariah Fankhauser, and she's the director of Educational technology here at Juan Diego Catholic High School and I asked her to come in because what is happening here at Juan Diego is a uh, it's an innovative program it's a visionary Mm -hmm. program and it's something that had been in place prior to the pandemic prior to the shutdown which made everything because they had been using the technology appropriately uh, for years prior to the shutdown um, due to the pandemic, they had been able to pivot very easily. Mm-hmm. So not, not even taking that into account, let's, you know, take it back. Talk, talk to our listeners about what the, the true blended learning program here looks like.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I have really enjoyed my time being with all of you today. Mm-hmm. And um, just to kind of start, I feel like Juan Diego's blended learning program is kind of founded in kind of four pillars, if you will and it's all student-centered. So student choice, student voice, student mastery, and student advancement. And we want all of our students at all levels to be able to succeed and to be able to um, have their educational experience be rewarding, and most definitely preparing them for the future. Uh, Our principal, um, Dr. Haley Colosimo, was so innovative, like many years ago, like our whole thing started you know, it's almost 10 years ago, and we um, just started off with a small number of courses that were utilizing blended learning models, and now we're a full blended learning school. Um, we create professional development conferences for other um, Catholic and private schools in the state of Utah, and it really has, um, we've kind of been the leader in our state for how to utilize this model and see the results of our efforts um, from an administrative level all the way down to like teachers and student levels. So um, it's been a really exciting thing to be a part of and luckily for me I've been a part of it from its inception. That's great. So So how did you get in, how did you become the
0: leader of the program?
2: Oh (laughs) well by luck I think. (laughs) Um, I started out as a health and PE teacher who was just really willing to implement technology in my class. I'm kind of nerdy that way. Like I just wanted to go to all of these different conferences of ed tech. And my principal, I think it was kind of that whole, oh, she's a shiny new teacher who doesn't know any better. So let's ask her to do something totally different. And sure enough, I didn't know any better, but I couldn't refuse because it sounded so fun and engaging. And it was, and it is. It is. And so, yeah, so I started just doing it. And then I got really good at it. And then other teachers started coming to me, asking me for help. And then I started kind of creating my own little um, cohort in the school of like-minded teachers. And we started going to conferences together and um, the results just kind of followed. And then when um, the pandemic hit, I was actually part-time because I had just had my second child. And my principal was like, we need you. And I was like, okay and so um, I was able to bring my my children to the campus here because we have a you know six week old to 12 12th grade cl- uh right. campus yes. and so then I just was I just became the director of it I guess
0: wow so truly an organic growth of the program very much so with with the vision and the leadership of of your principal of course of course mm-hmm. so but now that's the ex- expectation this is the norm yes this is the norm so very much so what is the student experience then in a blended learning classroom
2: yeah i think it would depend on every content area that you're a part of or that you like are observing so in our world languages i mean we all well let me retract we all use the same learning management system so that's a consistent and we've actually had to go through standardization processes for that sure. because what we also found was the navigation of students varied from course to course and varied from teacher to teacher mm-hmm. and so we wanted to make sure that the student navigation process was seamless that they all knew if they clicked on this button it would take them to their module if they clicked on this button it would take them to their schedule if it you know that kind of thing so yeah. That was actually like a big learning curve for me when we first moved to LMSs was figuring out how to make this a navigable experience for our students. So once our students enter the class, it kind of depends, like I said. So in world languages, they use Canvas to do discussion groups, but then they also use like Duolingo or Flipgrid as a fun way to integrate, you know, speaking a different language. In social studies, they are analyzing lots of different primary text now that all of that's being digitized and things like that. They can go to different resources, use that to have then, you know, higher level critical thinking type of um, Socratic seminar type discussions, that kind of thing. In math, we have a really sophisticated math software program that we use that um, the students progress through it based on their initial like performance on a initial check and we use Alex I think some some schools use it Um, but it's really nice and so then our teachers are integrating Alex work in their traditional like settings. So they might do five to ten minutes of um, lecturing if you will and then they'll go and do Alex and they'll work in groups and then we have um, we have a teacher plus two to three math aides in every math class. And so then we have adults that can then go and help these groups or these individual students meet their needs where they're at. Sure, um,
0: sure, just to facilitate the learning
2: process, Right, yeah, yep. and then in our English classes, we're using um, CommonLit and Quill um, and those types of resources where we can do more consistent assessments that are standardized to see the growth. But then, again, there's really awesome put-together lessons that you can use to then, um, you know, have Or have conversations that have really good prompts and really good resources that leave students arguing based off of fact or based off of something they're reading or having these um, constructive or civil disagreements, if you will, or whatever in class while the teacher is supporting them and molding them to help them understand how to have a civil discourse, if you will. And again, all of this is surrounded by technology that we've founder that we're using to help facilitate these conversations that really weren't happening because the teacher doesn't know all of the things or doesn't know all of the resources that are out there. And when we were in the textbook age, we were dealing with outdated things the minute they were printed, right? And so now we can have real-time updated information in all of our classes and it's really been beneficial to again, maybe one group is focusing on a primary text from one resource and then another group is focusing on a different text and then then they flip flop. And Mm -hmm. again, that would have taken like having two sets of classroom (laughs) books and kids having to pass and somebody forgot it, well, when it's all digital, this generation very rarely forgets their computers. That's right. <laughs> so it's been really wonderful to see the unique way every teacher has adopted blended learning in their classroom. What does the blended learning experience look like in the theology department? Oh, that's a great question. So in theology, they're pulling up um, biblical texts. Um, they actually, in some points, they will compare different um what am I? Translations or different versions and mm-hmm. um, then kind of dissecting, OK, if we're in this gospel, this NIV version versus this King James version versus this new translation, whatever it might be, is allowing them to analyze the different perspectives to then apply like, OK, well, then how is like this scripture keep talking to me and how do I apply this something that was written 2000 years ago to me. Um, it also allows us to access a lot more of our Pope's um, transcripts and the, t- the speeches and the talks he's giving and be able to read those and discuss them. Um, we have a lot more access to really well-made um, gospel-related videos that they can use. And then it's not just reading the text, but it's seeing the emotion. It's hearing the emotion. There's a lot more opportunity for them to um, network between our Catholic high school and the other Catholic high schools, especially in our social justice classes. Um, our peer ministry class does a lot of outreach. And again, we're trying to build these global learners so that they can network and build something even if it's just across you know, the valley or something.
0: It is fantastic. What you're doing here is just fantastic. Thank you. The whole school has been so impressive. We're so happy to be having the summit here and we're all learning so much from all of you. So thank you for that. So the the theme of this Catholic Leadership Summit has been innovation and you've certainly contributed to that theme. So thank thank you you so much for sharing with us. (laughs) Of course. And thanks to our listeners. Hang on though because there's one more segment with one more speaker after this one. So here we are, we are still at the Catholic Leadership Summit, recording live and in person here in Salt Lake City, Utah. And this is Colleen McCoy Sika, still interviewing lightning round speakers from our presentations this week. And today, let's see, I'm speaking with Crystal Berry. We have been talking about the theme of innovation throughout all the presentations and Crystal is here to share innovations in advancement. So before we begin that conversation, Crystal, why don't you give some uh, information about yourself, a little bit of background. Thank you, Colleen.
3: I appreciate um, being on with you today. So uh, I am Crystal Berry, and I am the business relationship manager at the NCEA. Previous to this, I was an elementary school advancement director at the diocesan level in Sacramento. So our areas of focus were things like enrollment management, Um, standardized business practices, and we found a lot of success in that. So we had the opportunity, um, Lincoln and myself, Lincoln Snyder, who was the superintendent of schools in Sacramento, an executive director. So we had the opportunity today to walk the team at CLS through some of the logistics, some of the reasoning behind why an elementary school needs an advancement director, how to make it happen, and what to look for, what to look for in what might go right and what might go wrong. And so it was a very lively um, discussion. So we're looking forward to getting additional questions from our superintendents as well. Yeah, so when, when we
0: think of um, institutional advancement, um, often we think of high schools because there are huge advancement teams. That's right. High correct. schools for so many different reasons, for marketing and enrollment and right. missions mm-hmm. and all of this. So I know why that is all needed at an elementary school, but share some of your insights, Crystal.
3: You know that's a really interesting question, and yes, um, when you think about an advancement director, you do automatically think high schools. They have the budget for it, and but what you also see from advancement directors on the high school level is they have the return from it as well. So when you, my background is in corporate marketing, so that is exactly what high schools do: is they utilize a corporate mic- marketing mindset to be able to effectively grow advancement funds, but also enrollment. So when it comes to our elementary schools, what we are seeing is in the past, as many of you know, elementary schools are losing enrollment. So having a very honed and laser focus on building out enrollment, stopping the trend of enrollment loss, growing enrollment, but also focusing on retention. So working to implement standardized business practices on the enroll and at the elementary school level is, it really is a priority because when it comes down to it, as we all know, Catholic educators and Catholic school principals wear so many hats. So the ability to take a couple hats off so that then those hats can be given to business professionals to focus on. So principals can focus on things like program and curriculum and, you know, personnel. So that's, a little bit of our was our strategy and implementation in sacramento but also what we're hearing loud and clear from our superintendents on what they need
0: so primary areas of focus for advancement like very clearly what are those
3: so in sacramento we initially launched the advancement director um, model just maybe a month before COVID hit and the idea was to have a shared services type model of advancement directors that covered three different schools. Some of our advancement directors covered one, some covered two. But the idea was to share, share these advancement professionals among the diocese to also then work collaboratively together as an internal diocesan team. So our area of focus initially had been planned for enrollment management, but also broad fundraising. When COVID hit, we changed and we pivoted and primarily and almost solely focused on enrollment management. So building out the enrollment, ensuring that we had a really clear understanding of how we were making our decisions and why. So intentionality around everything from start to finish on your funnel of enrollment, but also then pivoting to focus on retention because a lot of our schools had huge increases and A, they didn't have the processes in place to manage it. So they didn't know how to track the data of so many people reaching out because they wanted to be part of their school community. We also found that as soon as we started being intentional on the elementary school level, they we didn't have a way to track leads. So again, it goes back to these standardized business practices that you would often see and you do see in corporate marketing or in business marketing, but really bringing those into the elementary schools and guiding the principal and helping and consulting with the principal on how to best leverage these things that so often are not utilized at, a, an, at an elementary school level. So to your question, our primary focus was enrollment, and as it should be, our budget is supported by 68% tuition funds. So it really has to be the primary focus.
0: Just listening to you talk through this, I'm thinking about the NESVAX and just a couple of days ago, it feels like forever ago, but it was just a couple of mornings ago. We were doing the operational vitality panel with yeah. a few different superintendents with, at the new superintendent academy, and um, those those areas of focus under the operational vitality domain. It sounds like those are exactly what you're talking about, and it's that the business training, the business focus, that background that. Um, Educators aren't necessarily trained in that, right? Many, many principals have a natural, you know, business savvy and in finance or, you know, possibly in marketing or communications, but all of those domains under operational vitality, they really do fall more under business.
3: Yeah. And what we found was, um, yes, there were some principals that blanched the idea of having a business mindset in their Catholic school. And their focus is charism. Their focus is they want to have. Their school identity and not have it feel corporate. They don't want to focus on business. But a lot of our principals, it was so, it was such a sigh of relief because these are non preferred activities. Who among us does not want to get rid of some non preferred activities? And having professionals that are high functioning at a diocesan level that they can trust. Yes, their strategy. Yes, I know that I can trust you to do it. And having that really good teamwork in place between the principal and the advancement directors was also just crucial. And also what the superintendents and the superintendent in Sacramento received was a really clear understanding of where enrollment was trending, what areas, what regions were struggling, what classes were struggling, how many students could you fit in a class, and how many seats did you have at school A to B to Z, and directing traffic to make sure that Our wait lists aren't too long, so we had shared agreements. Each Catholic school within a certain distance had to share their wait lists because really having a system focus on growth, longevity, sustainability, and having an oversight at the diocesan level, it it really was incredible.
0: So just thinking about what you were saying, um, so many principals, they really want to focus on charism. And I would say all principles want to focus on carrying through the mission, the Catholic identity piece that always has to remain at the forefront. But the only way that we are going to be able to do that in Catholic education is if we are paying attention to these other pieces that are going to allow us to continue the mission of Catholic education. Um, the sustainability, right? The sustainability of our schools. There's been a lot of data sharing here mm-hmm. at the Catholic Leadership yeah. Summit. So the reality, the state of Catholic education in our country, we're, we have to get real about it and talk about how we are going to sustain um, all of those issues under operational vitality, the future of our schools. That's what we've been talking about. And so everything that you've been saying here just fits right in with the bigger conversation. So thank you very much for doing that lightning round and for sharing some of the highlights from your presentation on our podcast today. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Pauline. I was
0: happy to be here and I'm happy to come again. So thank you to all of our listeners who have tuned into this episode of the NCEA podcast to hear some of the highlights from the Catholic Leadership Summit. Thanks so much for tuning in and check us out again next time.